We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry, and we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. We're going to be taking a look today at the letter to the church in Smyrna, a letter that was dictated by the Apostle John from words that were spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ to him. It's one of the few letters to the churches that doesn't have any issues with the church. It's only praise for the way that the church has been operating. There's no, there's no words of condemnation, only words of encouragement for a church that was in a difficult place, the difficult situation, this church in Smyrna. And so I'm eager to take a look at these words, verses 8 through 11 of Revelation chapter 2. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The Christian faith is never something that's easy for us. It's not natural for us to stop trusting in our own works and to trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something that we can do in our own strength. This sort of thing is playing itself out in contemporary American society, which continues to move further and further into unbelief. Being religiously unaffiliated is presently the fastest growing religion in the United States and has been for a a significant number of years now. And the crazy part about all of this is that Christianity is in decline in a place where there is freedom of of religion, freedom to proclaim the gospel widely and broadly, freedom to own it wherever it is that we live. We all have the freedom to live in accord with our faith, both as we worship on Sunday morning and as we live in the world. And sometimes, sometimes people, as they start to experience some level of opposition in the United States, sometimes people will say, well, Christians are starting to be persecuted here in America, in the West. Because Christianity is no longer the home team here in the USA, because Christianity has lost a privileged place, because fewer people are going to church, because more, more people are religiously unaffiliated. Because Christians are called to live holy lives, lives distinct from the culture that surrounds us, and because this holiness is sometimes frustrating or disquieting or even disgusting to the world that doesn't understand that Jesus is king, there can be opposition in the world in which we live right now. I was watching the ESPN program, pardon the interruption, not that long ago. I love that show because I love that Wilbon is a Chicago homer and loves Chicago sports teams. 
And something interesting happened as Kornheiser and Wilbon were discussing a specific cultural issue that was playing itself out in some sports context. Wilbon started speaking with disgust about the Christian right. He was speaking about Christians with a biblical sexual ethic with an anger that surprised me and frightened me a little bit. It seemed to me that this good-natured and very likable man had within him some visceral opposition to some truths of Scripture, or at least how Christians have handled those truths in the public square. It frightened me because I wasn't expecting to hear such visceral opposition to the Christian message on a sports television program. But for those of us who are tempted to look at that and say, look, persecution, we need to dive deeply into this letter to the church in Smyrna and realize that this was a church facing real opposition. Real persecution, genuine slander. It's a reminder to us that as the church of Jesus Christ arose many thousands of years ago, it arose in a culture that was deeply opposed to it among a wide variety of religions who had cultural superiority. It is a reminder that the scriptures themselves are born from people who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, who were faithful to the point of death. It's a reminder to us that we have it so easy in the United States. We have presidents who say, God bless America. We have tax-exempt status for our churches and institutions. We have a deep freedom to believe in Christ and to practice such things. We have a great deal of wealth in many of our congregations. We have everything in a physical sense that one could hope for. And yet, our temptation is to a gradual fading away. To forget how rich a treasure we possess in Christ Jesus. To find that we'd rather spend time in a canoe on Sunday mornings than a pew in the church. To orient our lives around something other than Jesus. To take the gospel for granted. This morning, I hope that this letter to a church facing opposition and persecution might awaken us to a desire to be faithful in stakes that are far less extreme. And I hope that it might give us the kind of unshakable faith which characterized this poor and opposed church. This letter to the church in Smyrna contains an introduction and then three different movements. It starts with an introduction from the Lord Jesus Christ and then gives some bad news to the people that are in Smyrna, then gives some worse news to the people who are in Smyrna, and then gives some good news to the people who are in Smyrna. And so first, I'm just going to talk briefly about the introduction. First, the introduction before we get into the meat of the letter and the meat of the sermon. Jesus introduces himself in a way that's, that is intended to encourage this congregation in Smyrna. Again, just as happened in the letter to Ephesus and will happen in the future, Jesus begins by introducing himself and using an image that was present in Revelation chapter 1. Here he introduces himself by declaring that he is the first and the last, the one who died and who came back to life. Jesus always has been, and Jesus always will be. That's what he says in verse 8, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. He is, as one of my daughter's children's book puts it, the A to Z of life. He is life itself, and so he will never stop existing. And because he is life itself, death could not contain him. Death could not contain him. Jesus Christ died and was buried on the third day. He rose again from the dead. Death cannot hold the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the first and the last. He is life itself. He's greater and stronger even than death. And this introduction is specifically encouraging to this congregation in Smyrna because they were facing persecution at the hands of the religious and the governing authorities within this, this, uh, this city. And so it was essential for them to know that there was a power greater than any of the Roman governing authorities that were living at this particular time. 
It was essential for them to know that there was one who they served and trusted in who would never stop existing. He was more powerful than the authorities. He was there before those authorities came into being. He would be there after they stopped their terms of service. And it was important for them to know as they faced the prospect of death that they were receiving words from the one who had defeated death. They were threatened by death. And yet this threat had lost its sting. So the church in Smyrna could say, well, you might put me to death. You might oppose me and persecute me and put me to death. Well, I serve the one that's defeated that horrible enemy. Bring it on, the church in Smyrna could say. I trust the one who died and then was raised to life again. Please note that even if you aren't facing persecution or hardship as the church in Smyrna was, you will, if the Lord tarries, one day face your own death. And death is a fearsome enemy. And you can find comfort if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, know that Jesus died and that Jesus is alive. And that this will be true of you if you trust in him. If you are not yet a Christian, however, I want to tell you to bend the knee to the one who is first and last. And find that death loses its terror and its sting because you have the promise of life after death. Life eternal. And if you don't have the hope of eternal life because you don't trust in Jesus right now, I'm just going to ask that you come and talk to me after the service. I would love to tell you how Jesus removes the sting of death. But this introduction is something that the church in Smyrna needed because the church in Smyrna is not experiencing any measure of earthly comfort or privilege. And that takes us to the bad news, which is present in this letter, that Smyrna is in a difficult place, speaking in earthly terms, of course. And so the letter starts with this bad news. Verse 9 says, I know of your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. The bad news is concisely stated in this verse. There are three different hardships contained in this verse that the church is facing. And if you take a look at the verse, you'll see them. Tribulation, poverty, and slander. Let me take a look at those in order. First, tribulation. The first difficulty that the church in Smyrna is facing is the difficulty of tribulation. That's persecution at the hands of the ruling authorities in Smyrna. It's exceedingly likely that the type of persecution that they are facing was something quite specific. They're facing the type of persecution that comes from refusing to worship the emperor. Now, all throughout the Roman Empire at this time, there was a practice that existed in the Roman Empire. And it was perhaps the most fervent or passionate in Smyrna. This was the hub of emperor worship. And so once a year, in every town and village and city, people would need to come into a temple, they would need to offer a little incense, and they would need to declare, Caesar is Lord. It was a practice that had to happen once a year, this offering to the emperor and the declaring that the emperor, that Caesar, was Lord. And in Smyrna, this practice was the most passionate. But for a Christian, this posed an obvious problem. You see, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is the one who's the ultimate authority for us. And so Christians in Smyrna would not worship the emperor. They would not offer a sacrifice to the emperor. They'd be encouraged to do so by the elites of the city. They'd be told it was a part of their civic duty. They would be told, well, this isn't really worship. This is just a way of showing that you're a good citizen, a good member of the city. This is just a a way to be a, a part of the team. This is just a way to express the fact that you appreciate the leader of our empire. This is just a way to express the fact that you are patriotic. That's all we're asking. Just offer a little bit of this. Just, just ask, just say a blessing to the emperor and and then you're going to be set. You'll be set. We'll leave you alone. 
And yet Christians said, we have no Lord but Christ Jesus. We have no ultimate authority but God. And Christians could be exiled from cities for refusing to offer a sacrifice on behalf of or to the emperor. They could be put to death for refusing to participate in this civil religion. Pliny the Younger, actually, who was a historian at this time, wrote to one of the governing authorities that he had Christians who refused to sacrifice to Caesar put to death, not so much because he thought they were worshiping falsely, but because of their intolerance. He said, how dare they refuse to tolerate a little bit of honor to the emperor? So he put them to death. It reminds Christians today of how tempting or easy it is to give ultimate allegiance to something in place of or alongside of the Lord Jesus. Now, you likely won't be tempted with the threat of death to give your allegiance to anything alongside of or in place of the Lord Jesus. But there are a myriad of ways that you'll be tempted to place political party affiliation or civic pride or hope in government alongside of or in place of Jesus. Don't mix the worship of Jesus with the worship of any political authority. Jesus is Lord and not any ruling authority. Or to use the words of the great psalm, put no confidence in princes, nor for help on man depend. He shall die to dust returning, and his purposes shall end. So the Christians in Smyrna faced persecution for their steadfast commitment to Christ, and they were reviled by the governing authorities, but they were praised by the one who died and was yet alive. And that means that any tribulation for the cause of Christ was worth it, because Christ is greater. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. The first thing that they faced was tribulation and persecution. The second thing that they faced was poverty. And this is what verse 9 says. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, is what verse 9 says. This church was an impoverished one. They were poor. This may, in fact, have been tied to their refusal to participate in emperor worship. Historical records show that the Christians in Smyrna were kicked out of trade guilds and lost their jobs for being unpatriotic, for refusing to sacrifice for the emperor. For being committed to Jesus instead of empire, they faced financial hardship. Whatever was the cause, this church in Smyrna was poor. The gospel had had caught on among the impoverished or had caught uh, caught on among a wide variety of people who had become impoverished for the sake of the gospel. And the Lord Jesus recognizes here that this is a church with very little in the way of physical possessions. This was a church that would be unable to engage in capital campaigns or building renovations. Members of this congregation wouldn't be tapped on the shoulder for a generous gift here or there, and the church would not have had any standing among the wealthy elite in the city. This church lacked any sign of worldly success. This was a despised, persecuted, and poor group. Yet note what the Lord Jesus says. He says, I know of your poverty, Yet you are rich. In the midst of a physical poverty, the church in Smyrna had amassed a wealth of spiritual riches. 
In the midst of possessing nothing, in a worldly sense, this church possessed Christ, and that was more than enough. There is incomparable worth in trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is more precious than silver and costly than gold. You see, Jesus is enough. And even if you possess nothing in worldly terms, if you have Jesus, you have everything. And that was the case for this particular church. And so your desire and my desire should become to become rich in the Lord Jesus Christ, to become wealthy in trust of his name, to become rich in good works done for the sake of his great name. This is a wealth that transcends anything that the world might offer. And the temptation that you and I will face day after day is to punch the clock or to work our side hustle in the hopes of becoming rich in financial resources and in so doing to neglect the more important spiritual growth that must be ours in Christ. In the midst of their poverty, this church was rich because they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was enough. That was great wealth. Now, the third difficulty that the church in Smyrna was facing was slander. Let me read verse 9 again for us. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, let me say this. Jesus came to earth as a man, the God-man, a Jewish man. And he was speaking these words to another Jewish man, John, to be delivered to a congregation made up of both Jews and Gentiles, those who trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. These words here in Revelation chapter 2 are not intended to be anti-Semitic, but one of the sad realities is that in the history of the church, at certain times, they have been used in ways that are anti-Semitic, and that is unacceptable. What this passage of scripture is saying is not trying to get in a dig at the synagogue of Jewish believers that existed in the church in Smyrna. There were a wide and a large number of Jewish believers in Smyrna. This is saying that the members of the synagogue in Smyrna were slandering the church, the church which was the true Israel of God. It may be that this took the form of enabling the persecution of the church in Smyrna. You see, when the church was was just beginning... The Roman authorities didn't persecute Christians because at this time, the, the, the practicing of Jewish faith was allowed in the Roman Empire. And for the first few years of the church's existence, the Roman Empire viewed the church as a Jewish religious sect. And therefore, they were free from persecution and allowed to worship freely in the Roman Empire. But it seems as though Jewish believers were upset with that. And so they started telling the Roman authorities, hey, these these folks aren't Jews anymore. These aren't Jewish believers. And and when that became the case, they lost their protection and and the ruling authorities started to persecute. The church started persecuting Christians. They lost the protection that had been theirs. This might have been the way that that the Jews in Smyrna were operating. It may have been that they were slandering them in a more general sense. But in any sense, the third opposition that the church in Smyrna is facing is slander at the hands of the Jews. And this makes it clear that this church is facing opposition from the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders, all while being mired in poverty. However, none of these things were the real threat to the church in Smyrna. Rather, Satan was. And we're reminded of that with the phrase, the synagogue of Satan. And this takes us to the worst news that the church in Smyrna is facing. Verse 10 helps us to 
helps us to see that. It says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Having used this phrase, synagogue of Satan, alerting us to the fact that there is a deeper spiritual reality that is at play here, we're told in verse 10, behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for 10 days you'll have tribulation. The worst news is that not only was the church opposed by the physical reality of other religions, other political leaders, and the lack of physical resources, this church in Smyrna was being opposed by the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 reminds us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil was opposing the church in Smyrna because the enemy hates to see the church of Christ advanced, and the enemy will oppose the church of Christ. And the devil, more than any physical reality, was the real opposition that the church was facing. And the devil was working to worsen the opposition that the church was facing in Smyrna. You see, they were going to be thrown in prison. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. They were going to be thrown in prison. This likely meant that they were going to die. You see, in the Roman Empire, prison was different from the way that we conceive of or think about prison or jail sentences now. You weren't sentenced to long jail terms in the ancient world. Rather, prison was the place to to hold you until you experienced your punishment, which was very often or almost always capital punishment. Prison was the holding cell in which you would remain until you would go to your death. The trial would take place, you would hear the pronouncement, and you would go to your death. This likely meant the church in Smyrna had members that were going to die for the cause of Christ. This was a church that was going to have several of its members die. And in the face of all of that, Jesus says, don't fear. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You're opposed and oppressed by religious leaders. You have no financial resources. You're slandered by Jewish believers that that live in the town, people that are, are Jewish. More than that, you're opposed by the devil who's seeking to work against you. You're going to die. Don't be afraid. That's pretty astounding. Don't fear what you're about to suffer, despite your lack of resources, despite the opposition, despite the fact that there is a real spiritual opposition to you, despite the fact that you are facing your death. Don't be afraid. Those are hard words. And this is one of those churches that that Jesus only has good things to speak about to. This speaks a challenging word to us, doesn't it? There, there is this, there's this American religious teaching that is spreading throughout many parts of the world. It's uniquely American in its construction. One of the things that it says is, hey, if you trust in Jesus, you'll be wealthy. Sometimes people will talk about, about sowing a seed. If you give me this amount of money, then, then the Lord will return it to you five, ten, a hundredfold. You'll be rich if you just give to my ministry. If you just trust in Jesus, some of these teachers say you'll have whatever car, whatever house, whatever relationship you want. This is one of those uniquely American teachings. This is not something that comes from the scriptures. This is not something that comes from the Bible. The church in Smyrna is told you are faithful 
And so you're going to die. Don't be afraid. Man, these are hard words for us to hear. Man, this is a challenge for us. But there's a reason that they shouldn't be afraid. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, those who conquered in the Roman games in the Olympics, they would receive a crown to show that they were victorious, that they had won the race, that they had won the competition, that they had emerged victorious. What he's saying here is don't be afraid. Because the crown that you're going to receive, all of you who are faithful unto death, the crown that you're going to receive is life, is life everlasting. Don't be afraid because no authority stands greater than Christ Jesus. Don't be afraid because death can't take you away from Christ Jesus. Don't be afraid because the way that a Christian conquers is by dying. That's astounding, isn't it? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. There is something that is far more dangerous than dying. There is something far more dangerous than facing earthly opposition or persecution. There is something far more dangerous than having no no physical resources. And that thing which is far more dangerous is the second death. That thing which is far more dangerous is not trusting in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, you don't need to be afraid. What can anyone do to you? Because you're held by Christ Jesus. You're safe. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.